Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. The following podcast comes from a live stream I did recently. Many of you have requested that I make my live streams available as audio so you can listen to them on the go. So I am now republishing some of my most popular live streams as podcasts to make that possible. I share a boatload of valuable tips, tools, methods, and processes on my live streams, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, you may hear me make references to slide visuals, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, or to live stream viewers' comments and questions, but that just comes with the territory and generally won't detract from the value of the content, I assure you. And as always, if you like this episode, please take a moment to provide a star rating or review on your favorite podcast listening platform, or better yet, share the episode on social or with a friend or a colleague. And with that, let's jump into the episode. Creative professionals have kind of unique talents. We have unique skill sets. We're kind of unusual in the working world in comparison to a lot of people who are professionals. And we also work in a really highly competitive landscape. And so it's up to us to really up our game and sharpen our pencils when we're going to market, either as independents or even in our full-time employment, if that's what you have. And so some of the challenges I'm going to be talking about today are challenges that you may have felt and that can actually really limit your growth and hinder your success in the long term. And I'm going to be talking about five major barriers and the solutions and some tactics, as I said, to how you can make progress against those. And at the end, I'm going to share seven really key themes that you'll hear as we go through these barriers and the solutions that there are kind of seven key themes that tie them all together. And that's something that I discovered as I was doing this presentation that I kept seeing kind of the same themes. And I think that you'll find it really interesting about how these themes kind of bind the idea of experiencing barriers that hold us captive in our growth. And then, as I said, at the end, I'm going to share a really cool special bonus, which is the number one easiest and best solution that in kind of the step that you can take to really move yourself forward very quickly in your career. Okay, so what do barriers look like? Barriers can look like something very kind of limiting, like having trouble attracting clients, so having difficulty actually getting clients, right? Barriers can manifest themselves as indecision or perfectionism that holds you back or something that I do a lot, which is called procrastinating, working, <laughs> which is you're essentially working, but on non-high priority things, but you're working maybe on organizational things and you're working, but you're not working on the highest results, the highest priority things. So I have a tendency to call that procrastinating, working, and that's a barrier for a lot of people too. And there's imposter syndrome, there's a lack of direction or a lack of kind of plan or a real clear path that you're going on and a really kind of clear stages of development and steps of action that you've laid out for yourself that are going to be uh, goals that you set for yourself as you go through. A barrier could be gaps in industry knowledge. So these are either skills that you don't have in your industry that would be really helpful if you do have them. 
or maybe you're not at the top of your game in your particular area of creative endeavor and you have to learn some new stuff where there's new market challenges or new technologies that are coming your way that you're going to have to get up to speed on to stay competitive. And some barriers could be having to do with your connections. Maybe you don't have a decent peer network. Maybe you're feeling very isolated or you don't really have a deep, meaningful relationship with other colleagues in your industry. Or people who are in the, the client set of the category of business that your business addresses. Another barrier could be negativity. It could be a defeatist kind of mental attitude. You could also be struggling with being unsure or being afraid of approaching or kind of embarking on anything that <laughs> resembles personal branding. And so personal branding is also going to be one of those themes and one of those kind of aspects that ties a lot of this together and in many ways is one of the unlocks that we'll be talking about. But so that's what some of these barriers could look like. And so let me talk about some of the barriers that I have had in my life. When you look at my LinkedIn profile, my LinkedIn profile looks pretty solid, right? I've had 25 plus year career, I've worked for some of the biggest client-side companies and the biggest global agencies, very senior level. Worked my way up from a designer to senior designer to creative director to ECD to VP of design. Big companies, big agencies, gigantor clients, right? You look at it from the outside and you say, wow, charmed life, right? He's had a, he's had a really amazing career. Must have been painless, right? Couldn't be. <laughs> I'm cracking myself up. It couldn't be farther from the truth. No one has a painless career. Everyone hits barriers. Everyone has challenges. And I just want to tell you a few of my challenges just really quickly. Number one, I'm not even trained as a graphic designer. I have a master's in painting. So I went to fine art school so I could teach painting. I was a painter. I felt I was pretty good at it. But then I knew I had to figure out how to make a living in painting. So I went and got my master's degree so I could teach painting. The problem was, is at that point in time, this was decades ago, there were no college-level teaching jobs, and I was looking for teaching work for like four years out of university, banging my head against the wall, trying to find even a nine-month sabbatical replacement job teaching painting or drawing. And it became apparent after I did that for a number of years that I wasn't going to get a job in the industry, and I had to reevaluate what I was going to do with my life. And I actually made a pivot at that point, and the computer was just kind of being introduced. and. I started learning Photoshop and Illustrator, and I started a t-shirt company. And I'm not going to get deep into this, but I started my own little t-shirt business. And then I eventually worked for another t-shirt company, a larger licensing company, and worked my way up to being a creative director there. And then I eventually landed at Old Navy, where I had an 11-year career, blah, blah, blah. So I made this pivot from fine art to working with computers and doing apparel. And that was a very, very painful transition. And felt like a betrayal to my deepest soul. But in actuality, it kind of unlocked my entire career when I did that. And so sometimes the most painful watershed moments that we kind of come to in our careers can unlock some of the most meaningful and profitable and beneficial changes in our careers. So now, here's the thing that I said I was going to share. And as I said, I have never, ever shared this on social media. I haven't shared it actually with a lot of my friends. But 
I wanted to mention it here because I think this is important and it was one of the biggest barriers in my life. And so I'm an alcoholic. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober now for over 30 years. But when I was an alcoholic from the time I was 15 years old till I was 28, and I got sober when I was 28 years old, and I haven't looked back. But my life was essentially in lockdown, put on hold. I was struggling emotionally, physically, mentally with addiction up until the time that I was 28 years old. And then there were a couple of years coming out of that where I was just like, whoa, getting my head around like being 28 and like waking up and saying, hey, I got to get my life together. And so I did it with a major 12-step program. I'm not going to get specific, but struggling with addiction in my younger life and then having to face that and having to find help and find community and change my life dramatically was one of the biggest unlocks. And it was one of the biggest barriers that kept me from progressing in my life. And I know that creatives as a class, as a type of person, have a tendency to romanticize the abuse of chemicals of all sorts of shapes and forms as part of the lifestyle of being a creative. But it really couldn't be farther from the truth. Maybe you can manage it. Maybe that works for you. But there are a lot of creatives that I've known in my career who have struggled with that and it has thrown up massive barriers in their lives. And until they've addressed it, they haven't been able to move forward. So that was one of the huge barriers in my life. And I'm just going to move away from that topic now. But I wanted to kind of put it out there for anybody who might, might resonate with that bit of my story. And then I didn't even start designing. Here's another one. I didn't even start doing graphic design or until I was 32 years old. So that's when I actually got into computers and started working in the apparel industry. So I didn't start being a graphic designer until I was 32. And it always blows my mind when people come to me and they want advice and they say, I'm 24, I'm 23, and I, I haven't decided what I want to do, or I just got out of college for graphic design. Is it too late to be a graphic designer? Or I'm 26 and I was an accountant and now I'm teaching myself graphic design. Is it too late to be a graphic designer? And I'm like, are you kidding me? No, it's never too late. I've coached people who are like coming out of careers at 38, 40, who are like pivoting to graphic design. And it's not too late for them either. So don't throw up barriers in front of yourself when you don't have to, because if you put your mind to it, and if you surround yourself with the right community of peers and educational opportunities, you can do anything. I wholeheartedly believe that. Also, like I've been laid off, laid off sometimes due to financial downturns, one because the owner just didn't like me and laid off three times in my career. I've had to move across the country to a different city three times in my career for a new job opportunity. I've been out of work for over a year's period of time, twice in my career. And the last pivot that I made, I suffered a major, major burnout coming out of my last very senior role as a VP of design in a major corporation. And that was about eight years ago. And that burnout was not pretty. It had emotional pieces of it because my father was passing away. I was also kind of literally burning myself out in this role. It was a very intense role and I was taking it too intensely. I've had more career pivots and you can shake a stick at. So 
I've had a lot of barriers in my life too. And so I just want you to know, as I talk about these things, it's not like I'm like a goody two shoes here and have my stuff all figured out because I still run into barriers. So let me back up just a second. And let me talk about my last pivot. My last pivot was coming out of a global vice president role of design. And I had, I counted as I was writing kind of the, some of the notes for this live, I had six major barriers coming out of that. Number one, I was unemployed at 54 years old. So I had literally kind of walked away from my industry. I wasn't going to, I had aged out of my industry. I wasn't going to get another very senior level role unless I started my own agency. I had aged myself out of my industry in the sort of role that I was in. My second barrier was that I hadn't designed anything in 15 years. Like I'd been managing large teams of designers from executive level creative leadership roles, and I hadn't designed, I hadn't been moving a mouse and doing any design in 15 years. Talk about rusty, right? Third barrier was that I had, I'd never freelanced before. I'd never worked for myself. I'd never had an outside client. Like I'd always work for companies or agencies, right? So my clients were always within my job. Barrier number four was, I knew nothing about digital entrepreneurship, like nothing. Like I didn't know about lead magnets or email lists. I didn't know about social media marketing. I was working for the man for 25 years and I had teams doing stuff, right? So I was super, super duper out of touch with the working mechanisms of having a career as a creative professional, much less an independent creative professional. Number five barrier, I had no meaningful network because I was now going to be working, was choosing to work with small to medium-sized businesses and entrepreneurs in my agency. And all of my network were working at giant corporations and giant companies, and they weren't my target. So I had no true meaningful network that was going to help me get new clients. Barrier number six, even though I'd had a, a very successful career up until that point, I had a serious level of imposter syndrome coming out of that because I'd never had to make a brand for myself. I'd never had to show up as myself without some heavy hitting business card or a title behind my name. It was now just me. And I had to figure out like, how am I going to feed my own self-worth without this identity of being the VP, ECD, blah, blah, blah of you know what? And so... I started a business. I started an online e-commerce business, an accessories company, and I built it. It was totally fun. I loved it. I got my chops back kind of building that company. And then after a year, I decided I didn't want to ship products. And so I shuttered it. And so essentially within a year of building this company, I shuttered it and closed the business. So and then I pivoted again to having an agency. So I've had a lot of barriers and I've had a lot of pivots in my life and even since that last major pivot. So I just want to share that bit with you a little bit. And I don't know if anyone can identify with any of the stuff that I'm talking about, but I just wanted to give you some context for myself, some real context around who I am and what I've experienced, because I, you undoubtedly, the people here and in this room have experienced those things. We all experience major barriers. Sometimes they're not our fault. Financial downturn death of a spouse or a parent or a forced move across the country or a forced move to another country. 
I was thinking about generative AI and it's like, I was thinking about who generative AI is really brutalizing and it's brutalizing coders for one thing, like 15 years ago, it's like, if you want a job that's never going to die, be a coder. And now it's like chat GPT can troubleshoot code faster than any human being. But if you were a fantasy illustrator who did realistic fantasy illustrations, generative AI is going to be kind of kicking your butt. So things happen in the industry and in technology that can throw huge barriers in front of people that you have to figure out. And so, first of all, barrier number one, having a limited skill set or market challenges. So what I was just talking about. So you may have limited or old or not in demand skills anymore, or are you challenged by the ability to access opportunities or the ability to access teaching resources, right? Whether you have a lack of mentorship, where there's an absence of real learning platforms that might be holding you back. Well, those are real barriers. So let's talk about some of the kind of unlocks for what that could look like. And so the unlock for it really is continued professional development and investment in your professional development. A lot of people think that you just have to have the willpower and go out there on YouTube or kind of study up. Sometimes you have to actually invest financially in taking a course or joining a community or getting a certification to brush up on your skills to really continue to thrive and survive and to get over a significant barrier. And so, yes, the first thing that you do is you admit that you got to learn something. And then the first stop is YouTube. There is so much free learning on YouTube. It's insane. And then there's also LinkedIn learning. So LinkedIn learning, if you have a premium account, is just an insane volume of really incredible teachers and really incredible quality content. And then on the other hand, you could also invest in your success in something like Daniel Scott's Bring Your Own Laptop, which is an Adobe training website. And I'm an affiliate for him and he's a good friend of mine. And I mention him every chance I get because he's an incredible teacher, but he keeps people up to date on all of the changes and the newness in the technology industry. If you need training in any Adobe application, go to byol.me and the slash Philip is my affiliate link. So I would appreciate it deeply if you would use that link, if you're going to join, it's $12 a month. How he does it, I don't know, but it is an insane value for an incredibly small amount of money. So if you want to learn Adobe apps, go to byol.me forward slash Philip, and that is one learning opportunity and platform for you. Another unlock is thinking about your skill set as you've heard me talk about it before, right? There are V-shaped skill sets and T-shaped skill sets. A T-shaped skill set is when you have very little knowledge in a range of things and very deep knowledge in one thing, T-shape. When you're an entrepreneur or a freelance creative professional, you have to develop a V-shaped skill set, which you have a deep skill set in one thing, but you may have somewhat deep in a few others. And then you also have to have knowledge in business development and financial management and project management and copywriting and all the sorts of things that go into all of the subsidiary things you do as a freelance creative professional, you have to have those skills too, right? So you have to think about your skill set. Do you have a T-shaped skill set, which can work great? I'm not saying they're terrible. They can work great if you work inside a corporation or inside an agency. If you're working for the man, 
then T-shape can serve you. But as soon as you get out into the consulting class and as soon as you go independent, you got to start working on a V-shaped skill set because that is what you're going to need in order to survive out here. So that is one of those unlocks is to start thinking about your skill set and what you are going to have to do in order to kind of create more of a V-shape. And this is, I'm not going to harp on this either, but eventually, if you're a creative pro, eventually, later in your career, you're going to age out of full-time employment in your career. And you're still going to have 10 or 15 years of working life left in you. And so you're going to eventually have to develop a V-shaped skill set no matter what. And I will fight you to the death around my point of view on that. And there's also like mountains of data that support kind of my point of view on that as well. And then the other thing, and this kind of links to the V-shape and T-shaped idea is, and this is another kind of coined term like Presta working, but this one is what is your design plus? What is your creative major, your T plus? What is that other thing? If you do video, can you also add on audio? If you do audio, can you add on video? Can you add on motion? If you do 3D, can you add on being an AI prompt specialist? If you do copywriting, can you write paid advertising? What is your creative plus, your design plus? Start thinking about how you are going to augment your T-shaped skill set to broaden it. Now let's talk about barrier number two. Barrier number two is that you haven't, you may have a network. If you don't have a network, huge barrier number two plus. Got to work on getting a network. But you might have a network that isn't working for you, meaning it's not actually generating clients' activity in your business. It is not a referral engine. And that is a big difference. <laughs> That's a big, critically important difference. You may have 500 plus network connections on LinkedIn, but if they are not actively working for you as a referral engine, that network is kind of like vanity metrics. That number 500 plus is going to get your posts kind of seen by more people, but they're vanity metrics unless that network is working for you. Okay. So barriers in this particular area what they look like are like isolation, whether if you're an individual freelancer, you might not work with a lot of people. Maybe you work in your home office. You may lack true meaningful connections. You may have limited access to kind of networking events. These are the sorts of things that really hold you back. So building a strong professional network will really open doors to new opportunities and new collaborations and new clients. And so the unlock for that is expanding your circle. And I'm going to tell you four things that you can do to expand your circle. Number one, join a mastermind group. A paid mastermind, form your own. Masterminds are a professional community where people are networking with each other, sharing resources, to a certain extent what I was talking about at the very beginning, where you are getting to know people deeply on a professional and personal level and sharing resources and referrals and motivation and goals and accountability with each other. It is one of the things that can move you forward faster in your career than anything else. And I'm going to share a lot more about that at the end, actually, probably before the end, because it is one of these major themes in barriers and unlocks that we're talking about today. And the second one is to connect with your peers. So this could be on LinkedIn, it could be on Facebook groups. You want to exchange ideas, you want to really start engaging in these communities. You want to start engaging in these LinkedIn groups and start to leverage each other's networks 
and ask for connections, ask for referrals. Third one is connect with colleagues of other disciplines. Now, that's a key point. When you're connecting and making new network connections, you want to make sure that you're not just a graphic designer making connections with other graphic designers, because that's easy, right? It's easy to find other graphic designers. What's harder is to start making meaningful connections with video editors or audio editors or Facebook ad experts. And I say, in order to broaden your circle and have a circle that is meaningful and is going to act like a referral engine, you want to consciously seek out people who don't do what you do. They may be in the creative professions, but they don't do what you do. Because those are the sorts of people that are going to be able to bring you in as a subject matter expert to a project they're working on, or you're going to be able to take a project that incorporates something that they do that otherwise you wouldn't be able to accept that project. And by bringing them in as a subcontractor, you can accept the project. So that is what I mean by a meaningful network that actually is acting as a referral engine, both you getting referrals coming into you and you're handing referrals and connections out to other people. All right, barrier number three. Barrier number three is indecisiveness and not having a clear success map, not having a clear goal path for what you want to do. Decision-making in having your own business is critical. You have to be really confident and be able to make decisions fast because if you kind of get decision paralysis, then that can seriously negatively affect your progress and the speed of your progress in your business. And if you struggle with decisions, pro, con, everything, back and forth in your head, big tennis match, big ping pong battle in your head about what to do, and you're eating time and days and weeks trying to make the decision about the next right step, those are the sorts of things, those are the sorts of things that are a massive barrier to success. So decision-making is a critical skill, but you don't necessarily learn it as a skill and then you have it and then you have it forever and you don't ever need any help with it. What you need in order to get that decision-making confidence is you need a valued network that you can bounce things off of and that you can see what other people are doing as they are being faced with those same sort of decisions. So you may have a gut feeling that there was something that you, the way you wanted to go, but you've been dragging your feet because you weren't sure about it. Having those sorts of meaningful networks can actually change that dynamic. And also having a lack of guidance, so a lack of mentorship or a lack of coaching can lead to that decision paralysis. But as soon as you get that, it can really move you forward faster and unlock. It's one of those major unlocks. So let's talk about the unlocks. So the unlock is decision-making confidence. As I said, three tactics. Number one, build a network of trusted peers that can offer you insights and perspectives and give feedback on your ideas and your challenges and things you're struggling with. Tactic number two, engage a coach or a mentor. Find yourself a mentor like me or someone who is an accomplished person who you look up to and want to be them one day in your professional career and get some guidance from them. It can be informal in terms of a, you know, more of a mentorship thing, or it could be something formal that you actually invest in in order to move forward with. Third, setting goals. No one achieves anything unless they set goals. And so having a clear path forward, three-month, six-month, one-year goals, 
five-year goals. And just a kind of quick, funny aside. One of the questions that I always used to ask graphic designers when I was interviewing them was, where do you want to be in five years? And they were always thrown for a loop. Like no one ever asked them, like, what's your five-year plan? And I would do that. Number one, I kind of wanted to see how they thought on their feet. But it was also really, really telling because sometimes I would get answers like, I want to be living on a Caribbean island and own my own restaurant. And I'm like, why are you interviewing for a graphic design job then? How is this going to move you towards that goal? Or, you know, I want to live in Fiji and live on a sailboat. And you're like, okay, does this role move you closer to that goal? And so setting goals is important in order to kind of put context around your every day. And one of the things that I suggest people do is use the SMART goals kind of system. And this is setting SMART goals is something they do in corporations, and I've done it for decades, but you might have heard of it. And that's setting goals that are SMART's an acronym, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And you can look up on Google about how to write SMART goals, but writing SMART goals for yourself forces you to really kind of get granular with what you are setting out for yourself and how you are going to get there and how are you going to tell when you did get there. Next, barrier number four is limiting beliefs and self-devaluation. So not having the level of self-worth and belief that is going to give you the foundation to be able to feel strong enough to move forward. And creative professionals as a class of people (laughs) are sensitive and emotional. And I'll fight you, I'll arm wrestle you to death on that one too. But I have found creative professionals as a whole to be fairly sensitive and emotional people. And they have a tendency to suffer from self-doubt a lot. They have just, they have trouble making decisions more than a lot of other sorts of professions I found. And imposter syndrome is also rife in the creative industries. And so there is this baked in level of limiting beliefs and self-devaluation that I think comes from being a creative professional. But there's also this level of added pressure that comes from having sole responsibility for your professional career. And if you're not working for an agency or a corporation in-house and no one's setting goals for you and you don't have a manager who's pushing you through a series of levels and you're on your own freelancing or trying to build an agency, If you are that sort of creative pro, then you have a heavy weight on your shoulders in terms of the pressure that you have in the sole responsibility for your own growth. And so to a certain extent, if that's your situation, you really, really have to embrace this and try like some of these three unlocks that I'm going to talk to you about. Number one, what to do, right? Again, and this is one of those themes you'll see as I'm talking about this stuff, these themes start to form. Find supportive peers because you can share your struggles. You can get positivity. You can get motivation from people. You can practice what I like to call mindset mirroring. So another term, write this one down, mindset mirroring. And that is where you are the conglomeration of the five people that you spend the most time with. So you have to surround yourself with motivated, positive, driven, smart people you can lean on in your growth and who can lean on you. 
And so you start by associating yourself closely with people and interacting with them on a meaningful level, you start to mirror their mindset and they start to mirror yours. And it's an infectious kind of viral sort of thing that happens when people get together in this sort of meaningful way and working and interacting with their peers is that mindset starts to self-generate and self-perpetuate. Number two, feed your brain good food, all right? Number one, feed your body good food. Eat clean as you can. And there's a book, which is one of my favorite books of all time. It's by a guy named Eckhart Tolle, and it's called The Power of Now. There's another book by a guy named Richard Carlson. He wrote, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff. Very, very famous book, and you might have heard of it. And so he wrote a book called You Can Feel Good Again. And it has to do with mindset. It sounds totally woo-woo, but it is an incredible book. Joselle Tech, who's my marketing assistant and has her own agency, The Rolling Media, and I recommended that book to her. And within two weeks, she called me up and she goes, OMG, this thing is like blowing my mind. So if you've been struggling with mindset stuff, read Richard Carlson's You Can Feel Good Again. Awesome, awesome book. So feed your brain good food. (laughs) And number three is get a mentor or a coach. Again, having an outside perspective, someone with experience, someone who can see where you are and what you're struggling with from a more remote and more kind of independent view can add and give you perspectives that you're not going to be able to generate on your own. So the unlock for number four is actively nurturing that mindset. You really have to take an active role in addressing any kind of mindset barriers that you feel that you have or that are you're starting to recognize as barriers that are holding you back. Barrier number five, okay, feeling powerless or invisible with a lack of agency in your life. So a lot of people who work for themselves and don't have networks, they feel somewhat invisible, that they aren't getting clients coming their way. They are struggling with how do I become seen? How do, be, how do I become known? And personal branding, which is one of the drums that I beat every single day in my professional life, is one of those things that helped me circumvent, unlock all six of those barriers that I talked about in my own pivot at the beginning of the live stream, is that building a personal brand creates visibility so people can see you, so you don't become this invisible entity that's having a hard time kind of connecting or getting clients or acting, developing revenue streams. It creates visibility, it creates credibility, so you start to establish yourself as an authority or someone who knows what they're talking about in your industry. And it also attracts colleagues and peers. So another theme, right? So I've been talking a lot about meaningful networks and colleagues and peers in this live stream. And so building a personal brand not only attracts client level people, but it also attracts colleagues and peers to you. And so there are multiple benefits for taking the kind of steps that you do when you're building a personal brand. But when you start off, those barriers are fear and a fear of commitment. So it's like a relationship, right? It's fear of putting yourself out there, of becoming visible, of stepping out and putting yourself out there. And then there's also the commitment fear of having to 
continually show up and be consistent about what you're doing in your personal branding. And so there's another challenge, another huge challenge or barrier that people have, which is what do I write? What do I post? I don't know what to do. And that is, to a certain extent, developing and growing a creativity muscle. You may have, as a creative pro, a creativity muscle in doing design or logo design or whatever that is, but I guarantee you, if you're not developing content or have never done it, there's a creativity muscle that you have to start to develop and try out and get stronger with that goes along with building a personal brand that you have never had to use before. It's like a muscle that you've never had to use before. So until you start and get over that fear and start doing it, you don't realize that creativity muscle exists, A, and B, that it takes a lot of work to kind of get stronger at it and have it feel more comfortable and have it not be so scary and you won't be so fearful of that commitment from what it takes. Okay, so here's the unlock to this powerlessness. The powerlessness is really when you start developing a personal brand and taking those actions, you are taking ownership of your growth. You are taking the power back. Instead of expressing a level of victimhood, which I tell you, and I hate to say it, I hear it a lot with creative professionals, this level of victimhood. And it kind of tees me off because people have a lot more agency, a lot more control over their success than they think they do. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do here. That's one of the reasons why I'm sitting in this chair talking to you right now is because creative professionals have a level of power and agency in their destiny that they don't realize. And I know because when I came out of my last gig eight years ago, I felt invisible. I felt powerless. I felt like I didn't have any agency over my destiny. And I had to kind of like reboot. I had to turn it back off and back on again, right? Like a computer. And I had to totally reboot. And so what do you do? What are we going to do? What's the unlock? So the unlock in this case is A, building a personal brand, but building a personal brand engine, not just like fluffy personal brand. I'm building my personal brand, my website. I'm talking about a personal brand engine. And this is an engine that creates business and referrals for you. And it comes from finding your voice. It comes from starting to have a point of view, express your ability, your knowledge, sharing valuable information with people, and putting yourself out there, going to the debutante ball, joining society, becoming visible, and making that commitment to doing it. Now, personal branding can be a fairly complex thing, right? There's a lot of moving parts to personal branding. So I wanted to share a couple things with you. Number one, I wanted to say the first step that you need to take is to write a personal brand positioning statement. And if you look up brand positioning statements, you can use some of the formats that you use for brand positioning statements, but you can also write kind of your own statement as long as it touches on these five key things. Personal brand positioning, you want to say who you are, what you offer, who you're offering it to, what's the value that it delivers, why you're better, why you're different. That's it. Those five things. And it's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> you have to take a moment and really think about what it is that you are offering, who's it for, what value it has, and why you're better and why you're different, and put it down on paper and wordsmith it to death. Hone it down. Get it tight. Niche in. Force yourself to do this exercise. 
It's amazing. The number of people that I talk to who are building personal brands, who may be a creative professional or even doing strategy for companies, and they do brand positioning and brand strategy all the time. And I say, have you ever written a brand positioning statement for yourself? And they're like, no, they haven't. And so that's one of those things that's a great unlock if you do it. Another thing is because personal branding can be complex, I created this really great tool. It's called the personal brand wheel. It's based on the idea of the life wheel, which is a tool that a lot of coaches use, life coaches use. And I decided to kind of take that concept and morph it into something that was based on personal branding. So it's a tool where it breaks the major activities of personal branding down into four quadrants. They encompass everything from developing your strategy developing your brand ecosystem, developing how you engage and what you put out into the world, and then how you build your community. And so this tool is available as a download. If you go to philipvandusen.com slash PBW for personal brand wheel, it'll take you to a link and you can download this PDF, which is there's two pages of prompts of question and answer prompts that will take you through every single stage of the 12 stages of the wheel. And if you address and look at these questions, it helps you gauge where you are in each of these sections. And so you create a visual map of how strong or how weak or how developed or how undeveloped your personal brand is. And it also helps you just think about all of the aspects and the levels of complexity that go into developing a personal brand. Okay, so go to philipvandusen.com slash pbw. If you're already on my mailing list, don't worry if you have to enter your email address because it's not going to change anything. You'll just get the tool. So it has these prompts, leads you right through it, helps you use the tool. There's an example of what the tool looks like filled out. And it's a really, really cool tool to use. And that's where you go. And so the next thing that you want to do is you want to start developing a content ideas list. And this has to do with that creativity muscle that I was talking about before, which is that when you start developing content, when you start after you do your personal brand positioning and you start thinking about what kind of content you can start developing, whether that's social media posts, whether it's photography, whether it's social media graphics, whether it's quotes, whether it's blog articles or slideshows, whatever it is, you want to start developing that content idea generating muscle. So you start a content ideas list and every idea that you have for a content, for some content, you write down on that list. The way I do it, is I have a Google Sheet open on my desktop all the time, and it's my content ideas list. And whenever I come across an article or spark an idea or I see some video, I'm like, oh, I could do that. I could do something on that subject, but in my own voice, I'll write it on the content ideas list. And once you start doing it, you, have, you start developing that muscle. You start developing an awareness of having to take in and capture ideas for your own content. And so that's one of those things that can unlock this level of powerlessness and this lack of agency in your own personal development. And then the final one for the fourth tactic on this, and this is the big kahuna. This is the really big kahuna, you guys, which is you got to start. You got to start. I'm going to tell the story that I always tell. If you want to learn how to play tennis, what do you do? You go out and buy a really great tennis racket. You buy some cool tennis clothes. You watch a bunch of tennis videos. You go watch some tennis matches. You read a book on tennis. But you can't learn to play tennis until you step out on a court and start swinging the racket and hitting balls all over the place and into the net and over the backstop. You have to start. You have to actually start. You can do all sorts of dancing around the subject, but until you actually start doing it, the learning doesn't start and the muscle doesn't start developing. So that's 
one of the tactics. Now, as I said before at the beginning, I was going to kind of touch on seven unlock themes, right? So there are seven themes that you've heard as this presentation has been going on. And as I share these themes with you, you're not going to be surprised because they're going to kind of ring true as having shown up in a lot of the barriers and solutions that I've been talking about today. So here are the themes. Developing a network of peers, a meaningful network, one that actually works for you. Goal setting, setting up a plan of attack, a success path for yourself. So you're not just wandering around the desert blind. Developing a feedback loop. So that's some sort of feedback that you can get on your ideas, what you're struggling with, on the decisions that you need to make. And that links right back into your network of peers, which is number one. Number four, guidance and coaching. That's getting some mentorship, getting some coaching, whether that's paid or whether that's finding a mentor who will do it for free. But getting that sort of expert opinion and perspective, unbiased opinion of what it is that you were doing and what it is that you may need to do to get where you want to ultimately go, that is one of the major themes of this. Number five is new skills, developing your professional skills, learning new processes, developing initiatives in terms of your movement and your continued growth in your professional skill set. And then using your voice to attract new business. And when I say using your voice, that is developing content through developing a personal brand. And when I say new business, this is a cool thing. When I say new business, I'm not just talking about clients. I'm talking about, like I said at the beginning, you are attracting colleagues and peers to you too, right? By developing content, you're not going to just be getting the clients who need the value that you're delivering, but you're going to become visible and credible to a new circle of colleagues and peers who you can start to connect with and who will want to start connecting with you. And then number seven, which is the big kahuna, is the power of masterminds. And that should be no surprise, but masterminds provide community of really like-minded peers who offer guidance and support and accountability, and it really, really speeds up your professional development. And you can get tools and motivation through folks, it will unlock a level of potential in you that you had no idea even existed. And the most important thing is that it develops a level of confidence in your own decision-making about your own development by associating yourself in a mastermind sort of setting with people. And it's the perfect sort of setting to develop and to do that kind of what I say is called mindset mirroring, where you are starting to develop a mindset that is mirroring the mindset of the whole, of the hive. So from what I shared with you in this live stream, you can tell that I'm super passionate about the power of mastermind communities. And that's because participating in masterminds helped me break through to a whole new level of professional accomplishment at a really critical, pivotal time in my career. And masterminds also helped me build deep, meaningful network relationships and gave me the motivation and the accountability to build the personal brand and the business that I have today. So I really want to share that power with you too. A couple of years ago, I ran a series of 10-person mastermind groups called the Brand Design Masters Guild. They were 12 weeks long and they were really super successful and the people in them really loved them. But at the end, everyone said the same thing. They said, I wish this didn't have to end. So right then and there, I decided I was going to build a mastermind community that didn't end. 
And that's why I'm starting a membership community for established creative professionals called Bonfire. So why am I calling it Bonfire? There's this book that I talk about all the time by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. And there's this great quote in it that says, when a log that has only just started to burn is placed next to one that's burning fiercely, and after a while they're separated again, the first log will be burning with a much greater intensity. After all, it's the same fire. And I thought that that quote perfectly captured the power of mastermind groups. The people who gather in mastermind groups really are literally on fire, and anyone who joins can't help but catch fire too. So here's just a little what Bonfire membership, or as I like to call it, embership. Get it? Bonfire? Embers? Okay, sorry. Embership includes bi-weekly Zoom mastermind calls where you'll get group coaching from me and also from other accomplished peers in the group. And all these calls are going to be recorded so you can review them or catch up if you just happen to miss one. And there's a private community forum on the Circle platform for engaging with other members between calls so you can ask questions and get feedback and stuff like that. And that's also where you can access the group's constantly growing content library for additional resources and training. And there's also, which is really amazing, a mobile app so you can access Bonfire on the go. And one added bonus that I'm planning on having is that I'm going to bring in subject matter experts to come in periodically as guest speakers to talk about topics that are trending and their tactics and their particular specialty. And as an ember, you'll get access to the FIRE Milestones, which is a success map that's designed so you can plan the next steps in your career and your business and know exactly where you need to go and what you need to do to get there. I can guarantee you're going to build rock-solid relationships with other really highly accomplished peers in the group meetings and also when you're paired with a range of accountability partners. And as an added bonus, I'm going to be giving Bonfire Embers discounted access to Brand Strategy 101, which is my signature course, and ongoing follow-up support so you can know exactly how to build strategy into your creative practice so you can offer it to your clients. And in Bonfire, you're going to make really lifelong personal friendships, and they're going to form a web of really truly meaningful network connections that's going to light your professional development on fire. The value that you're going to receive from Bonfire is going to be worth 10 times the investment, I guarantee you. So if you're interested in finding out more about it, just go to philipvandusen.com bonfire and sign up to get alerted for when we go live. Again, it's philipvandusen.com slash bonfire, B-O-N-F-I-R-E. And I hope to see you beside the bonfire. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.